Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today, Preparing for Communion Today, is Renewing Our Promises. Renewing Our Promises, Joshua 24, 1-18. And it's very important to renew promises, isn't it? Isn't it? Because we make promises and we forget about them and it kind of falls to the wayside. Some of you have renewed vows, your marriage vows. That's a common thing to renew the vows after a certain number of years. Many here have already have done that. Family Life Today, marriage conferences is a great thing to go to because you go back and refocus on your marriage. Every Those, those tune-ups for your marriage, awesome, awesome. If you're nervous, been on one of those go 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 and if you need help getting to one we'll help you get to one because they're awesome they even have a renewing your vows conferences really good retreats are a great place to renew our promises we have a men's retreat coming up uh see brian if uh, you want to know more about that get signed up asap uh but going getting away on a retreat is a great place to renew your promises Re- reconnect with god and, and and refocus on our relationship with god and, and focusing on those promises remember years ago there was promise keepers a lot of, anybody go to the promise keeper events and uh Probably we're at the same stadium, a lot of you. And the, those events, were all 50,000 men are in, in Washington. It was over a million men that, that recommitted ourselves to our promises to God. Communion, which we're celebrating today. Perfect timing for communion today. A communion is a regular time to renew our promises. And it's important because it's so easy to backslide. Slip backward, right? And, and, and usually when we backslide, that's an old saying, but backslide means to start slipping backward spiritually, start falling away spiritually. It's so easy because it's so gradual, we usually don't even realize it happened. And all of a sudden we're like, how did I get here, right? You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden you're like, well, how did I get in this mess, this spiritual mess? How did I get this far away from God? How did this happen to me spiritually? And so that's something that's really, really easy to happen. I remember one time I was on a retreat with a youth group. I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and I was on a retreat with the youth group, and we were... It was a winter retreat, so there was a racquetball court. And in the racquetball court, there was a basketball hoop. And when they weren't playing volleyball on it or something, we would, they would play basketball. And I remember was being, you know how on the racquetball court you can stand up top and, and watch, watch them play down there? And right where I was standing, they were playing basketball. Right where I was standing was the crank to put the basketball hoop up and down, whether you want to play whatever sport you're going to play. And these guys were all a bunch of hot shot basketball guys. I, I was always kidding with them, playing, playing basketball with them. But I, I was watching them. They were all acting really cool and stuff. And funny group of guys. I, I remember them really well. And so I was like, I just decided I'm going to play a little trick on them. So I just cranked the crank a couple of times. Just, real, just cranked it. And it went up a couple inches. And they kept playing. They didn't notice. I'm like, they didn't even notice. So I cranked it again. I waited a few more minutes. I cranked it again. They didn't notice. I got it about a foot higher, and they're shooting, playing like nothing happened. I'm like, this is unbelievable. And so I, I kept doing it. I just kept bringing it up, bringing it up. I must have had it 14 or 15 feet high. You think, no way. Yeah, it was so high. They were heaving the ball up. I'm like, how can they not notice this? You know, this is crazy. It was five feet higher, and they're just heaving the ball, heaving the ball, hitting the bottom of the rim, you know. And, and finally I said, hey, time out. What's going on? You got... Look at the hoop, guys. Like, what? I go, look at the hoop. Look how high it is. Oh, that's why we were having so much trouble making baskets. But, but how could I get away with that? F- several feet higher? Because it was gradual. 
gradual. And that's what happens to us spiritually. We slip spiritually gradually. We, we, we fall back. And that's why it's so important to have times to get away and refocus and see where our life really is, right? See where we really are spiritually. Now, last week, we looked at Joshua 23. Joshua's farewell speech. Remember that? If you weren't here, get the CD or podcast because we're going to kind of build on that. And we talked about some things to remember. And today we see that Joshua calls them together one more time. He had the farewell and he calls them one more time to renew the covenant, the promises that they had made to God. There was a time to renew their promises to God. And also having communion, it's perfect timing today because it's Interesting that we landed on this passage exactly. We're going to hit it again next week, so be ready. We're going to delve in more deeply with this passage. But today I want to focus on the renewal part. The renewal part. That they, they, what we're going to see today is that they reviewed their history, the history of their the coming into the promised land, being freed from Egypt, coming to the promised land, they reviewed their history, and then they renewed their covenant. And that's really what we do in communion when we have communion every month. We remember what Jesus did for us, our spiritual history, and then we reconnect, we recommit. It's exactly what we see here in Joshua 24. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for bringing each of us here today. You know why we're here. You know why you've called us here today. You know what you want to do in our life. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move now through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's start here with Joshua 24. Do the first couple verses first, where he says, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before the Lord. So we see that he comes, they they come to Shechem. There's no accidents in the Bible. There's no accidents in God's purpose and his leading. There's a reason why they're at Shechem. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit recorded this place. Very, very important to understand. Shechem was a special, sacred place for Israel. Just like the communion table is for us. Think communion table. That was Shechem. In Genesis 12, 1 to 7, listen to what he says here in Genesis 12, 1 to 7. Listen to what happens here. The Lord said to Abram, this is before he renamed him Abraham, Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Woo, memorize that one. I hope the USA continues to bless Israel, right? I hope we continue to do that, and I hope we as individuals continue to do that with our our Jewish brothers and sisters. Then verse 4, so Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham, Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Think you're too old to be used by God? Think again. Verse 5, he took his wife Sarah, not called Sarah yet, renamed Sarah later, all right? His nephew Lot and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Whose land is it? Israel's. 
God gave it. It wasn't a political thing. It wasn't, the U- it wasn't England. It wasn't the UN. It wasn't the US. God gave the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will Abraham uh, appeared uh, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. So when God called Abraham from Haran to Canaan, we see the story right here. He called him. He, if you look at a map from where he started in Haran to Canaan, guess what, he, what river he had to cross? Several he had to cross, but guess what main river that we're concerned with he had to cross? Jordan. He had to cross the Jordan in order to get into the land he was promised, in order to get into the promised land. And once again, we know if you've been here through the book of Joshua, last couple of years, if you've been here, you know crossing the Jordan is a picture of our salvation. It's a picture, it means spreading judgment. It's a picture of us just as Joshua led the people through the Jordan in a miraculous way. Jesus has led us through the Jordan, through judgment, in a miraculous way. And it's a picture of salvation. So he, he went to Shechem where he received a promise of the promised land. He built his first altar to God. The first recording of him building an altar, he built, built his first altar to God here at Shechem. And he sacrificed a lamb on that altar at Shechem. And the altar, we know, is a picture, is a type of the cross. And that lamb that was sacrificed on the altar is a picture, a type of Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so we see these these pictures all here, these prophetic pictures. And Abraham was looking forward prophetically when he sacrificed that lamb at Shechem on the altar. He was looking prophetically forward to Jesus dying on the cross. He was looking forward to the cross. But today we are looking backward. Today when we celebrate communion, we're looking backward and remembering Jesus dying on the cross for us. That's what we're remembering. Now, then we come to Genesis 35. In Genesis 35, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is in Shechem again, where he purifies himself and and his household of idols. He's getting rid of idols. In fact, in Genesis 33, verse 18, it says, After Jacob came from Paddan Haram, Aram, he arrived safely at the city of Shechem in Canaan and camped within sight of the city. And then in verse Chapter 35, verse 2, it says, So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. So it was here at Shechem that he got rid of the idols and they purified themselves. And next week we're going to really focus on Joshua in, in Joshua 24, talking about idols and getting rid of the idols. We're going to really focus on that next Week, all right. So don't miss next week because it's vital to avoid idols at all costs. We're going to see Joshua saying it. We see this with Jacob. We're going to see this all through. We're going to really hit on the idolatry and the idols, which are still here all throughout our society, and also communion, connected communion. Communion is a time to purify. It's a time to purify. It's a regular, regularly remember our salvation and recommit to sanctification. Salvation is when we put our faith in Jesus Christ by faith. 
We put our faith, we're saved by faith, but sanctification is living by faith. It's when we, we by faith, we d- depend on Jesus to overcome the spiritual battles and our sins and strongholds, and we, we, we become holy, sanctified holy. We become like Jesus. That's sanctification. Very, very important. A lot of people stop. They get walk across the river, they get saved, they say, well, that was nice, I'm just going to wait for heaven. No, 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 no. That's just the beginning. Sanctification is, is the rest of the story. Very, very, very important, okay? And that's what communion table is about. It's remembering our salvation and recommitting to our sanctification. So now you see that Shechem, uh, well, let me say one more thing about Shechem. We, we find Shechem one other time. There's a third time we find it that fits our story here. In Joshua 8, 30 to 35, remember that? A year or two ago. Joshua 8, <laughs> we're going to finish. We're almost there, guys. Hang on, we're going to finish. It's, what a fun book, though, huh? What an awesome book. In Joshua 8, in Joshua 8, um, so anyway, I'm just going to reiterate something. Communion, the time to purify, a time to focus on salvation and sanctification, a time to get rid of the idols in our life, to confess our sins. But we find it again here in Joshua 8, 30 to 35, uh, where it says, remember this here? The covenant was renewed. Then Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool had been used. On it they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. There in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua copied on the stones of the law of Moses, which he had written, all Israel, aliens and citizens alike, with their elders, officials, judges, were standing on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, facing those who carried it, the priests who were Levites. Half of the people stood on in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them stood in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and the children and the aliens who lived among them. Remember that? What a powerful passage. Remember that? Go back and get the, get the, listen to the podcast on it because it's a powerful passage. But the place that they renewed the covenant, they first made the covenant back when they came out of Egypt. The place that they renewed the covenant when they came into the promised land was a valley between the two mountains. And the valley between these two mountains, Gerizim and Ebal, was called Shechem. That's where Shechem was. It's a sacred place. It's a place where they first renewed the covenant when they came into the land. And now we see at the end of Joshua's life, at the end of the battles, it's a place where they once again renew it again, just like the communion table. We continually come back to the communion table to renew our promises. That's where we come. To remember our salvation, to renew our promise for sanctification. So it's here at Shechem. It's awesome. I probably could have spent the whole morning on Shechem alone. But it's here that Joshua calls the people to renew their promise. And we all know who Joshua is a picture of, right? Jesus. Joshua's Hebrew. The word in Greek is Jesus. He's a, a picture of Jesus. Everything that Joshua does, it's a picture, a prophetic picture of what Jesus was going to do for us and how we have to follow. Just as the people follow Joshua, we follow Jesus Christ. It's a picture. 
And G- these same words that Joshua has given us are prophetic words from Jesus himself to renew our promises. And he starts out, very interestingly, with another history lesson. I'm going to talk more about history next week, uh, why he kept giving them history lessons. But uh, he starts out with the, another history lesson, starting in verse 3 through 13. Listen to the history lesson that Joshua gives them to, to get them to renew their promises. Joshua said to all the people... This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him through Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there. And I brought you out. When I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with the chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. How long? 40 years, (laughs) but let's not go there. Uh, Verse 8, I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Remember that? And we, we preached that, we talked about that. What a story we did in the book of Joshua. We revisited that. Verse 11. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites, and Termites. But I... Some of you were listening. Some of you. I've done that before. Nobody blinked an eye. So I know you guys are dialed in. Thank you, thank you. Hivites and Jebusites, but I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, and also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Wow. He starts out with another amazing history lesson here. Remember last week? He reminds them how he had called Abraham and them. Because he says, you used to worship idols. That's what you were. You were worshiping idols. And the Bible teaches that idols are really what? Demons. Demons that want to take worship away from the one true God. The fallen angels that are demons. They they want to be worshipped. And so they have established through, you know, appearing to people and all this stuff, deceiving people. They still do it today, all over the place. They, they, they get people to worship them. That's what they want. That's what Satan wants. That's what the demons want. That's what the fallen angels want. They want to be worshipped. The Bible clearly teaches that the, the idols represent demons. And so what, were, what was Abraham and, and, and all the forefathers worshipping? They were worshipping d- d- demons, right? That's what they worshipped. Just like us. Did you know that we did the same thing? 
I mean, really, yeah, I'm not talking about just even those who were in the occult. A lot of you were in the occult and different things and, and stuff. But I'm talking about every one of us. Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, 1 to 2, it says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. Every one of us once followed the devil. We once followed Satan. Every one of us. This, this picture in Joshua, this history, is our history. Every one of us. And, and look at something. Look at what we were. God didn't call us because we were good I mean, I was pretty good, but, but most of you, just ask my mom. But he didn't call us because we were good. Didn't call us because, you know, he saw this good in us, this great potential. I used to think that. Well, I think God, when I was younger, I used to think, well, God picked me because he saw that good in me. He saw that good stuff in me. I'm much younger, believe me. But when I finally saw how wicked I was as I grew old, I was like, oh, Wow. Guess that didn't work. He didn't call us because he saw something good and he said, oh, I know if I call this person, they'll become a good person because there's already so much good in them. No, that's not true at all. We were following Satan. We were dead spiritually. We were completely against him. We, we, were, we were, listen to what it says. This is why he picked us. Verse 3, Ephesians 2, verse 3. All of us, all all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we are dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. We served Satan. We were slaves to sin. We deserved God's wrath. Every one of us. God, Jesus didn't come to save good people. Romans 5 says that we were enemies of God. We were God's enemies, it teaches we hated him. Even we couldn't verbalize that. We lived in a way that, that hated him. I think of, of the Antifa demonstrators out there with their masks on and rioting and going crazy and, and they're just vicious and all these horrible things that they do and they just want to bring anarchy, you know. And, and you look at those people and, and when I watch them, I say, you know what? That's what we were spiritually. We were that spiritually. Every one of us was that. But God's love and mercy freed us. He gave us life. He saved us. Romans 5.8 says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Back to Joshua 24. God called the Israelites and us from this empty life. He says history is our history. He called us from this empty life. And also, back in Joshua chapter 20, 24 there, verses 3 through 13, we see that next Joshua reminds them how God delivered them from Egypt and slavery. Just like he frees us 
from sin's power. Just like he frees us from sin and forgives our sins. Our sins. And also, God defeated their enemies. Then he goes and starts talking in, in verses, throughout the verses 3 through 13, how he defeated their enemies, just like he does for us. He breaks the strongholds in our life. That's what he does. If we repent and renounce them, we got to repent and also, remember, repent, walk the other way, and renounce means to break the, the chains that are connected. Well, if we break and renounce them, if we surrender those idols, if we live and fight by faith, God will, will break these strongholds in our life. And many times we need help at this point. Many times we become a Christian, we're all in, we put our faith in Jesus, we've given our life to him, but then something's got us still. And we have trouble breaking it. And this is many times where we need other people to come alongside of us and help us. Help us make that complete break to really get that victory. Very, very important. I've talked about this all the time. Christian counseling. Uh, you know, there's, we, have, we are here for you. We are all here for each other. Whatever you're struggling with, I can just say, here, go meet with this person. I'll connect you with someone. I promise. There's nothing that you have, are, are, have a stronghold in that I can't find I, 10 people here that have, the, have either are fighting their way out or have fought their way out or can help you with that. It's very, very important to don't ever... Don't keep your secret strongholds. Talk to, to someone. Talk to me. Talk to Kim. We'll, we'll get you connected with the right, with the right way to, to get that freedom. So breaking these strongholds. Then, after that, it talks, Joshua talked about how God brought them into the promised land, just as he will do for us. Picture of salvation. We are saved by faith. Remember the people that stepped into the river before it opened? It was a step of faith. We're saved by faith, by following Jesus. We cross the Jordan. It, it's by faith. And then we're also sanctified by faith. We're not just saved by faith and now we've got to try to do it. No, no. no. The, life, the life we live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God, right? We have to keep on, we have to keep on living by faith. We're saved by faith. There's saving faith, but then there's the living by faith, the sanctification faith. It's a constant dependence that constant uh, d depending. Uh, and, and that's when, he talks about these blessings, that's when we fully realize all the blessings that God wants for us. This is the whole point of what he says here in verses 3 to 13. He comes to the end, that the, the full blessings. And that's when we realize our real life. The real life that God wants us to have, that, that purpose that he created us for. That peace that he wants us to experience no matter what we're facing in our life. That peace, that purpose and peace, that's what he wants. You see, we don't just put our faith in Jesus to get to heaven. That's an awesome thing. Don't get me wrong. I can't wait, right? But it's, it's for here too. It's for here. There's a lot to, to live for here. There's a lot of reasons that he wants us to live here. It's here too. It's kind of like you watch those, those commercials and, and do you want this special pan that has greased, you know, you, you, you don't have to grease it, you just put your food in and it's slick pans and you get all these pans for $50 and if you buy these right away for your next 10 colors, you get the, the steak knives too, you know, the, these, these steak knives that can cut through, you know, wood and metal and everything else. You get those, free. And that's really what, that's the commercial I'm t talking about. I'm saying, you get heaven by putting your faith in Jesus, but you get the steak knives too. You get this life here. You get purpose and peace here too. And that's the blessing that Josh was talking about. Have you been set free from slavery? Have you been set free from slavery? Have you been set free from sin? Have you been set free from God's wrath by God's 
love. Have you done that? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever acted on God's love and put your faith in Jesus who died on the cross in our place? That's what he says when he gave his son. Jesus, his one and only son, came down. The God-man came down, lived a perfect life, died on the cross in our place to take our sin because we couldn't do it. He broke the power of sin in our life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? If you have done that, if you haven't, I hope you do it today. If you have done that, maybe, though, we need to renew our promises today. Joshua 24, 14 and 15, he says, right after that, Joshua says, Now fear fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And we're going to really camp out on this next week when we talk about the idolatry next week. But I just want to focus on verse 14 here is where he says, now, after all that whole history lesson, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Some of you might have an NASB Bible. I'm reading from NIV. Some of you might have an NASB Bible, which I think, okay, what is this? Now, therefore, now, therefore, because it brings out the more of the force. That's really the force behind this. It's now, therefore, fear the Lord. Because of that history that we've just read, now, therefore. He's making that, that point there. Whenever you see therefore in the Bible, it's therefore a reason. All right? Whenever you see therefore, it's therefore a reason. It's connecting the dots. And he's saying, since God did all this in the past for you, in the history for you, live for him and only him. That's what he's, he's stressing here. It, it, this, this echo, I mean, you can't read that without just jumping out at you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, the first 11 chapters of Romans are all about what God has done for us. And then all of a sudden there's this pivot in Romans 12, 1 where it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That therefore I urge you, that's a strong urge, therefore I urge you, he's saying, in view of God's mercy, their first 11 chapters, what God has done through us in Jesus Christ, and he says, therefore, offer, just like Joshua here, Joshua 24, 14, therefore offer your bodies as living sacrifices. We don't have to kill a sheep anymore. Why? Because it's already been done once for all. Jesus died on that cross. Now we don't offer the sheep. Now we offer ourselves as living sacrifices to live for God. Holy and pleasing lives. We're to, to please him, not conformers. The, the, the word there for conform means to be squeezed. Picture taking Play-Doh or clay and squeezing it into a mold. That's what it's pictured. Don't let yourself be squeezed by the world anymore, but be transformed. Be transformed. You can't do it. Don't say transform yourself. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow God's word to renew our mind. Be transformed. Is, uh, the word for transformed is metamorphe in Greek. You all know where, that, where I'm going. Metamorphos caterpillar to the, the butterfly. That's what we're to be, we're to be transformed from, from 
spiritually dead to something beautiful in Jesus Christ. Every one of us, by the renewing of our mind. And this is a daily decision. As we get ready here for communion here, this is a daily decision. Will I be conformed? Will I conform to the world or be transformed by God, by his word? Will I be transformed? It's a daily, isn't it a daily thing? Constant battle. Because we're constantly getting hammered. It's tough. The world is trying to conform us constantly. Do this. Think this. Drink this. Snort this. Smoke this. Have sex with this. Right? Think this thought. Believe this. Believe that you came from monkeys. Believe this. You know, constantly throwing out lies to us. Trying to shape our attitudes and our thoughts and our actions. Constantly. Trying to get us to make dumb, destructive, spiritual decisions. That's what the world is trying to get us to do. Constantly. To get us to conform. But and it, it's unbelievable what we, the things that we do. Because the world's constant pressure. I, I was a youth pastor, as I mentioned earlier. And it was unbelievable what we could get teenagers to do if we got enough peer pressure going. And we would go to the, on these retreats and do these crazy, funny things. And I'll never forget, if we got enough people cheering, we'd have team competition cheering. And if we had enough people cheering, kids would do anything. I, one, one time we, we said, what's up? We were going to have a goldfish swallowing contest. And uh, remember years ago, some of you remember those way, way back? I know Peter would have our heads for it now. But anyway, back, back then it was, you know, we, we, uh, we, you know, goldfish swallowing was really cool. And I remember we did it one, uh, we had an all-nighter and we had the kids there. And one guy finally said, I'll do it, I'll do it. He was getting pressured to do it. Do it. And so you know, everybody's cheering. You're getting extra points for his team. And he stepped up. I'll never forget. He, he decided he's going to swallow goldfish. And so he starts swallowing them. We have this tank of goldfish. He starts gulping them down. And, and he's gulping them down. I can't remember how many he got. He got quite a few down. But all of a sudden, he's swallowing another one, and he sneezed. And the fish came out of his nose. Squirmed out of his nose. Onto the ground, flopping on the ground. The girls were like, oh, screaming, you beast, you animal. You know? and, and, and everybody's laughing. That ended the game. We put the fish back in the bucket. He survived just like Nemo. He made it. You know, he earned his, his, his life. Uh, he made it. Uh, another time we had this game called Cheerio Blow. And, and, and we, would, we were on a winter retreat. And what we did, Kim and I were running this game. We had this long table. And we had the kids put a Cheerio in their one nostril. And then they hold the other one, and then they have to blow really hard. And they have to shoot it down the table as far as they could. And whoever got furthest down the table without going off the table wins lots of points for their team. So these kids are all cheering. You know, I got them going there. They're a frenzy doing this game. And it was winter time. They all had colds. You get the picture. But anyway, uh, it was a mess. It was gross. The, whole, the table was green. You know? and so they're, they're, they're shooting the, the Cheerios down. But, and they're all cheering. And then this is the best part. I said, for an extra 100 points, who will eat one of these Cheerios? Everybody's, come on, somebody, they're all cheering, come on, somebody's got to do it, they're all trying to get something to do it. I remember this guy named Larry, he was a football player, real big, tough guy. He's like, I'll do it, I'll do it. And everybody's, oh yeah, come on, Larry, come on. And, and he, you could see he was hesitating, but I, I bent over onto the ground to pick up one of the chairs off the ground. I didn't touch him, but I had another one in my pocket that was clean. And I pretended I picked one of the green ones up, 
picked it up, and it was really clean. There's nothing wrong with it, but he thought it was came out of somebody's nose, right? And and I held it out to him, and he took it, and he's like, and everybody's cheering. I could tell he didn't want to do it, but it was cheering. He puts it in his mouth, he starts to swallow it, and he threw up all over the place. <laughs> I got him good when I told him it was a clean one. I really got him good. But this sounds crazy, doesn't it? Lunatics. Crazy. But isn't that what we do spiritually? The world's saying, come on. Eat this. Believe this. Think this. Swallow this. And don't we do it? It's shocking when I talk to people. The, the, the things, they, the worldview that they have is not biblical at all. It's been molded by the world. And it's so important that we don't conform, but we transform by God's word and what God says to us. And the Israelites renewed their promise, verses, uh, chapter 24, verse, verse 16. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us out of e- and our fathers up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled, and the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. They renewed their promise. And that's what communion is all about. Will we renew our promises to God today, this communion Sunday? Will we remember what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross? That's what the bread represents, the body that Jesus gave. The, the, the grape juice represents the blood that he gave. Will this be a time that we will reconnect and recommit to God? And maybe you need to take the first step, the step of faith. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian yet. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. you never put your faith in Jesus. And you need to take the first step. We looked at Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 there. But let's look at verses 8 and 9 where it says, for it is by grace you are saved through faith, and for it's by grace you are saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. Have you ever put your faith in God's gift? The gift of his son that he gave for us. Have you ever put your faith in him, given your life to him? And then if you take that step, you can take communion and not just communion, but you can commune with God anytime, anywhere. He will be your father, no matter where you are, no matter how alone you might feel, no matter what you're going through, you can always turn to God as your father and talk to him and commune with him. He will always be there. We have the bread, we have the cup. What we do is we just open it up in a little bit. After a little time of prayer, we open it up and you can come forward when you feel led. You can take, the, take it back to your seat, Take it by yourself. You can take it with your family. You can take it with everyone. There's no right or wrong way to take it, but just recognizing the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Two reasons why we shouldn't take it. One is we're not ready to put our faith in Jesus. You've never taken that step of faith. You're not ready for that. It's okay. We're not videotaping. We don't take attendance up here. It's it's between you and God. But, But I hope you do. The second reason we shouldn't take it is there's an idol in our life. There's a sin in our life. There's something in our life we are not willing to surrender I didn't say not struggling with because otherwise we wouldn't even have to bother with this, right? We all struggle. But I'm saying something you're not willing to surrender and start to struggle with. If there's something in your life, the Bible says don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. But once again, I hope you do because everybody can. 
And as always, we have a, a prayer team up here. If you ever need someone to pray with, someone to talk to on both sides, there's someone there after the service, whenever, there's always there, okay? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us through his word? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, but you understand now what that means, what Jesus did for you. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You could put your faith in God's gift right this moment. The prayer of faith. You can cross that Jordan River into the promised land into a new life with Jesus Christ and eternity someday forever with God, our Father. The simple prayer of faith, God, I ask you to forgive my sin, my strongholds, my idols. I walk away from them. I turn away. I repent I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. If you've put your faith in Jesus today, something amazing has happened. You have crossed that Jordan River. You have a brand new life in Jesus. Your life will never be the same. You can now commune with God anytime. You can talk to him anytime as your father. He will always be there. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've taken that step of faith. Some, maybe you have a friend or family member. Someone fill out the card. Let somebody know. Tell me. Text me. Call me. It's all in the bulletin there. Let, let somebody know so that we can encourage you and be excited for you because we will be. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How have we been conformed? How do we need to break free of the world and its lies and its temptations? What idol in our life do we need to leave at the communion table? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Father, we pray your Holy Spirit would complete this. In Jesus' name.